discover the inherent power of God in you. Whether there are challenges or not, we are still the same. We are constant. God is constant. God does not change. And that is the life that we have received. It says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is the same life we have also received. We are also the same yesterday, today, and forever. What kind of life? We, we, we are the same because we have the same life with Christ. So when you think about God, think about you. Because everything he is, that is why he told Abraham, he said, I am your, your exceeding great reward. God gave himself as a reward to Abraham. And we are the seed of Abraham. Therefore, we have inherited God himself. Listen to Pastor Oti Boatim as Christ is magnified in you. Praise the Lord. Father, we give you glory, we give you praise. Thank you for this opportunity to hear your word. Thank you for grace. Thank you for understanding for all of us. To your glory, even in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Wow, isn't it not beautiful? Yeah. So on Sunday, I shared concerning predestination, um, preordination, uh, what else? Election, and then I spoke about righteousness. That was the last thing I spoke about, righteousness. And I mentioned that righteousness was what? God's judicial rightness. God's inability to look on sin without punishing it is the foundation of God's stone. It says justice and righteousness are the foundation of a stone. You know, he says, I read something in Exodus for you, if you remember. He says, he, might, he will by no means clear the, the guilty. He will by no means, under no circumstance, will he clear the guilty. No. God is French. Him. He demands, he demands right, rightness. Yes. Yeah, that's how God is. And that's, that needed to be paid for. Whatever sin Adam had committed needed to be paid for. Else God will also not be able to uh, uh, stand right when it comes to Satan and his courts because they also did something wrong and he punished them. So he had to punish Adam. So when Christ was hanging on the cross, Christ, the cross is a show of God's rightness. It's a show of God's rightness. It's a show of God's judicial rightness. That is the righteousness of God. I hope you understand. Yeah, God had to punish man. And Jesus came to come and receive that punishment for us. So I mentioned that when you say, whenever you say, Christ is my righteousness, what you are saying is that my righteousness is not dependent on my conduct because your conduct may fail. In your own experience, you realize that your conduct fails sometimes. But because of a person who never fails, that person is called Jesus. So 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30 says that, For of him are ye in Christ, who of God is made unto us wisdom, then he says righteousness. Do you see? He's made unto us righteousness. So Christ is my righteousness. Say Christ is my righteousness. Christ is my righteousness. Yes, Christ is my righteousness. What it means is that um, when it comes to me, there's someone who, there's a person who, who is my, right, my righteousness. My right standing before God is a person. And it's not dependent on me. It's dependent on that person. Because of his sacrifice, I have a right standing with God. Okay? Then, if you also say that I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, as you, as you have in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. 
He was made sin who knew no sin, so that we might be made the righteousness of God in him or in Christ. What it means is that uh, we are a show of a display, an expose of God's rightness, God's, God's judicial rightness. We are a proof that he did something right. Do you get it? Uh-huh. So if someone asks God, what, what, is, what is your righteousness? He will point to you and I. Because we are a show of his rightness. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now when we say that Christ is my righteousness and that is not dependent on our conduct, it doesn't mean that you can do whatever you want to do and fool around. I mean, if someone has suffered like this and has paid for your freedom and has sacrificed himself for your freedom, I think you should, your heart should be full of gratitude rather than uh, I can do whatever I want to do. It means you don't have, your wisdom is very small. So they are, they are, you have Chocomilo brain, Raiko type of brain. Uh-huh. You see, there are, two, there are two sides. One is the judicial demands of God, which Christ has fulfilled. Okay, so Christ is our righteousness along that line. There's the other side of us embracing the one who did that for us. So he demands a certain kind of relationship, a certain kind of fellowship with us. Do you get it? If someone uh, um, brought you out of prison and paid every single thing that you owed because you owed something, that's why you went to prison. If the person did all that for you, for you to be taken out, and the person... Uh, wants you to just live with him and fellowship with him, be a, be a friend to the person, would you not, is it not normal for you to do it? You'll be glad. You'll even be happy that, uh-huh. so that is, that is what righteousness is supposed to produce. Not, uh, yes, I, it has been paid for, so now I can do whatever I want to do. I can fool around some more. No. Yes, he overpaid. Christ's blood overpaid for the demands of justice. That's the truth. But, but that does not mean that you should just start fooling around. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So it is people who do not understand how much they've been forgiven who mess up. If you understand how much you've been forgiven, you will not mess up. The Bible says that the one who's forgiven much loves much. The one who's forgiven little loves little. If you don't know, if you don't understand, you will love little. There wouldn't be any love. Your love for the Lord will not be there. You'll be using this knowledge to, to, uh, to mess up rather than using this knowledge to appreciate God and thank God. And also be able to stand. You see, this is what gives you an ability to stand before the devil and tell him to get out or, you know, go under your feet and all those. That is, that is, that is it. Because he cannot declare you guilty. You understand? It's the same righteousness. The same righteousness with which you stand before God without any sense of guilt, superiority complex or inferiority complex and all that. It's the same righteousness with which you stand before the devil and put him where he belongs. I hope you understand. So that's righteousness. So today, we want to go a step further. And the next thing I'm going to treat is redemption. Redemption. We are treating the vocabulary of salvation. So we are talking about things that, words that are in the Bible concerning salvation that are very important we understand. Okay? And the next very important thing we need to understand is redemption. Now, redemption means to repossess at a cost. That's the first thing. To repossess at a cost. To repossess at a cost. Or to buy back. To buy back. To repossess at a cost. Or to buy back. That's what redemption, generally speaking, that's what redemption means. 
Okay? But there are four words in the New Testament that helps us to understand redemption very well. Four, new, four words in the New Testament. And I want us to go through those words. And by the time we go through it, you understand even some more uh, concerning redemption. Okay? The first word is agorazo. Agorazo. It's spelled A-G-O-R-A-Z-O. Agorazo. Agorazo. A-G-O-R-A-Z-O. Okay? Yeah. And it means marketplace. Marketplace. It's from the word agora. Okay? The word agora is uh, in the Greek is market. Hmm. So agorazo is marketplace. Now, specifically speaking, it speaks of a slave marketplace. A slave marketplace. And we can find it in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20. Let's look at it. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 20. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20. It says, For ye are, for ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. For ye are bought with a price. The word bought is agorazo. For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Okay? So the word bought is what? Agorazo. And it means slave market. What he's saying is that you were purchased from the slave market of sin. You know, during those times, there were, just as you could have, you can, you, we have markets that, we have tomato markets. We have yam markets. We have plantain markets. We have all types of markets around. In the same way, there was a market that was specifically uh, for slaves, for selling human beings. So they exhibit slaves, and then buyers come. So they are owners of the slaves, and then they are buyers of the slaves. Okay, and one of the ways to check if you are a slave that can be bought, it's not every slave that was, that was bought. <laughs> Some slaves were not bought. And if you are not bought, you are actually a liability to your your master, meaning that you are going to be eating at his cost. You are going to be drinking at his cost. You are going to be pooping at his cost. So you are better off dead than alive. So if, if you are not, it was in your own interest to be bought. Because if you are not bought, the next thing is that you are going to die. It's either you are sold to the gladiators or something, so that you just go and die uh, in, the, in the arena, you know, for the gladiators. So they used, to, they, used to, they used to check your fitness. There were different types of fitness. One of the fitness was your strength, your strength, your physical fitness. And for, to test your physical fitness, they would put you in front of a man who is stronger, bigger than you, and he would punch you, punch you in your face, in your body, everywhere, to check your physical fitness. If your teeth comes out after he has punched your face and all that, then it means that you are not fit. But if your teeth are intact after the punches, then it means that you are very fit. After that fitness uh, uh, check, the next fitness check is your emotional fitness or your temperamental fitness. So they'll put you there once again. Another person will come, someone who can really insult, will come and come and insult you, insult your mother, your grandmother, your grandchildren, everybody, insult everything and everything about you, anything about you, and check if you would respond. If you don't respond and you are quiet and you don't, even your physical, if your physical, uh, your visage should change, it means that you're not fit. So you have to stand aloof. However you were before the insult started, you must be like that after the insult. Then you are fit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
guess what? Jesus bought us from the slave market of sin, controlled by the devil. That is our redemption. He bought us. He took us. He bought us from the slave market of sin, controlled by the devil. You know, the devil is he's called the prince of the power of the air. He's called the spirit that works in the children of disobedience. He works in them. They, they are not disobedient because they want to be disobedient. There's something, there's a spirit that is working. If you read in Ephesians chapter, that's Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1. Look at Ephesians 2 1. And you have seen quickened or made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. It says you were dead in trespasses and sins. Next verse 2. Wherein in time past he walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the earth, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. It's a spirit. Works in them. Jesus came to take care of that particular thing. He took us. He bought us. That's why he says in 1 Corinthians 6, he says, but ye are bought with a price. Ye are bought with a price. See, I'm bought. I'm bought. With a price. price. Yeah. So we have been taken, we have been bought from that slave, that slavery, that slavery of sin, that bondage of sin that controls people to do things they're not supposed to do. You know, just last night, uh, some people were arrested. Some Nigerians were arrested in Kaswa. They have been responsible for killing some women. I don't know if you've noticed some women have been getting missing. Some children have been missing as well. They've been killing a lot of... Just two nights ago, um, a nine-year-old boy and a four-year-old boy were found on the streets of Kaswa. It happens in Kaswa a lot. And they had harvested their body parts and had left them on the street. You know. So, when they, apparently when they catch the people... And they kill them, and they have as their body parts because they don't know where to dispose them. Because normally they put them on the on the road. They decided that they are going to be cutting them in pieces and feeding them to their dogs. And that was what they had done. They had cut. They had bought a big deep, deep freezer, and they had cut a lot of human beings up, kept them in the fridge. You know, and they feed their dogs every now and then. One of them got out of the house and forgot to lock the gates, so one of the dogs came out of the gate with a human being's hand. Eating a human being's hand. Just last night. I'm surprised it's not yet appeared in the news. So they were apprehended just yesterday. You know, how, what, will, what will cause a man to do something as terrible as this? There's something controlling them. No, you can't do this on a normal day. There's a demonic influence. There's something that will cause you to. It's not easy to chop a human being's head. Even chicken head. Look at how the chicken will react. How much more a human being, a full-grown human being, or a child, or whatever, alive? This is what God has delivered, Jesus has delivered us from. He says he has bought us. Look at, let's look at that scripture again. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20. He bought us. For ye are bought with a price. Ye are bought with a price. Ye are bought with a price. I'm bought with a price. Bought with a price. That's the first word for redemption in the Bible. Agorazo. Agorazo. The second word is found in Titus chapter 2, verse 13. And it is the word lutro. Lutro. L-U-T-R-O-O. 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 Or lutrosis. L-U-T-R-O-S-I-S. Okay. Lutro or lutrosis. Lutro is spelled L-U-T-R-O-O. Lutros is spelled L-U-T-R-O-S-I-S. And it's found in Titus chapter 2, verse 
13. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Verse 14. Who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. So the word redeem is a word lutro. Okay? It says, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from, a, from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. Lutro. And it means ransom price. Ransom price. It means ransom price. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It also means to liberate by payment of ransom. Okay? It means ransom price. Price. That's P-R-I-Z-E. Okay? Then to liberate, it also means to liberate by payment of ransom. Payment. Something needed to be paid. I mean, if you are buying something, you buy with something, isn't it? Uh-huh. Then it also means to release on receipt of ransom. To release on receipt of ransom. If what is supposed to be paid is not paid, you cannot be released. Isn't it? Uh-huh. So it means ransom price. It means to liberate by payment of ransom. And it also means to release on receipt of ransom. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So if you go back to First Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20, where we're reading, it says, For ye are bought with a price. Have you seen yeah, but the, so what's the price that was paid? The price that was paid is called the lutro. Okay? So the, the price is the blood of Christ. The, blood, the price that was paid for us to be liberated is Jesus' blood. The ransom price that was demanded. You know, from the Old Testament, it has always been blood. You can check from Genesis. Right from Genesis, God set the price for paying for the ransom of sin. Okay, the payment for sin, that is a price, has to be blood as demonstrated throughout the Old Testament. And the first thing is that God preached the gospel in Genesis when Adam sinned. When Adam sinned in Genesis chapter 3 and God came, he asked Adam, what happened? Adam said, the woman you gave to me caused me to sin. He asked the woman, what happened? She said, the serpent caused me to sin, isn't it? But when God came, they were hiding. God asked, Adam, what art thou? He said, I heard your voice. And I was afraid, and therefore I hid myself. And when he came out, God saw him clothed in fig leaves. He had fig leaves covering his manhood. And the woman also had fig leaves covering her breast and then her, her, her whatever. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And when God, when God saw that, God was not happy with them. So if you read on, you realize that God, okay, let's read it. Go down to, uh, to verse 15. And I'll put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and his seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Verse 16. Unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Curse the ground for thy sick. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Verse 18. Tongues also and tissues shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread till thou, thou return unto the ground, for out of it was thou taken, for dust thou art, and, also dust, and unto dust thou shalt return. Very interesting words. And Adam called his wife Eve, his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. And 
unto Adam also to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them. Have you seen it? Yeah. Unto this is what I really want you to see. All that I've read is not so important for this discussion. This is the main the main thing. It says, and unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord, the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them. How are coats of skins made? You have to kill an animal before you can get a coat of skin, isn't it? Yeah. Uh-huh. So God preached the gospel here in this verse. Remember, when Adam sinned, he got fig leaves. I think it's up there somewhere. He clothed himself in fig leaves. Uh, fig leaves represents the righteousness of man. Man's effort, man's effort to what? Man's effort to please God. Self-righteousness. You cannot please God with your own deeds. Therefore, the Bible says, therefore by the deeds of the Lord shall no flesh be justified in his sight. No flesh shall be declared right in his sight. So God was trying to let them know that you cannot use your own works. Did this is verse 7, Genesis 3, verse 7. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. Human effort. That was why the only thing Jesus cursed when he came on earth was a fig tree. Because a fig tree is a representation of man's righteousness, man's works. And God is not interested in man's works. You see, Adam tried. He tried to do something for himself. But God came. The Bible says, and the Lord God made aprons. He got skins. Go to, go to that place, 21. Unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins. God himself did it. God was le- letting them know that you cannot provide for your own sin. You cannot provide for your own wrong. I am the one who can provide for you. You cannot seek your own righteousness on your own. You cannot be qualified on your own. You need to be qualified through me. I need to provide. You cannot provide for yourself. I need to provide for you. We don't, it's not mentioned as, as to what kind of animal he killed. But if you go and you realize that God was interested in lambs, in sheep. So I believe that it was sheep that he killed. He killed a, sheep, a, a, a lamb or a sheep and then spilled the blood. Then the demand for the sin was blood, the shedding of blood. Without the shedding of blood, there cannot be the remission of sins. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So the ransom price was always, from, from the beginning, it was always cut out to be the blood, to be some blood. And if, you, if you've read about very carefully, the Bible says that it is not by the blood of goats and cows that man shall be declared not guilty. Yeah, if you read Hebrews chapter 9, you see so many of those things there. So God made it clear that you need blood. That is why when, uh, in fact, this marked the beginning of sacrifices. This is the beginning of sacrifices. So when Cain and Abel came to come and sacrifice to God, the Bible says that Cain did not offer a sacrifice that was perfect before God. But Abel offered a sacrifice that was perfect before God. If you read in Hebrews chapter, chapter 11, look at Hebrews chapter 11. There's something that is said there that makes us see um, exactly what. Hebrews eleven four. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice. Have you seen it? Yeah. A more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was, he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead, yet speaketh. It is by faith. He did it by faith. How does faith come? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Meaning that Abel acted on a revelation that had been given to them by God. God had preached to them. And Adam had preached. They knew. They knew. There was a revelation they had concerning how you can come to God and how you can get close to God. Cain decided to do it in his own way. Just like Adam did. And God said, this is not acceptable. But Abel's own was accepted before God because he did it by revelation. That is why the Bible says, by faith. 
He did it by faith. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice. So it's always clear that the ransom price must be blood. Have you seen it? So if you read in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5 to verse 6, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5 and verse 6. Are you there? I want you to read it to me. One to go. Hallelujah. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men. The man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom. You see, the, the Lutro or the Lutros is a ransom price. And Jesus gave himself a ransom. He says, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. He gave himself for all. A ransom for all. So his blood was the price that was paid. The ransom price that was paid in order for you to be released. Yes, in order for you to be released, something needed to be paid. And that was blood. The requirement was blood. And he paid. In fact, his blood is more than an overpayment for our release. You remember one of the definitions of neutral is to release upon payment of ransom. So this is a ransom that was paid. The blood of Christ. Look at Hebrews chapter 9 from verse 11. Hebrews 9, 11. It's so beautiful. That is why you must always be grateful to Jesus Christ. You must always be grateful to God. This is it's called vocabulary of salvation. To let you appreciate what God had done, has done in Christ Jesus for you. To let you understand even some more that, man, Jesus did a lot. He did plenty. He did everything. There's no need to struggle over anything. He did everything by his sacrifice. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It says, but Christ being come an high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building. Next verse. Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood. By his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Yeah. Eternal, not part. Eternal redemption. Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained. So he has obtained eternal redemption for us. See, I'm eternally redeemed. I'm eternally. What does it mean? It means that you are eternally paid for. There's nothing that can hold you back anymore. There's nothing that can... You, you don't need to pay for anything anymore. You are not in a slave market of sin any longer. You have been bought. And the price paid. <laughs> the next one will even blow your mind. The first one is to buy from the market. The second one is to pay the amount or the ransom price. The next one is to take away from the marketplace. Completely. And Christ did all of these things though. He bought, he paid, and he took away. He took us away. He didn't let us remain there because you can be bought and you'll, be stay, you'll stay there. They'll keep you there. You'll still be a slave because you are going to be sold to another buyer. But he took us. When we were bought, he took us out. And that word is ex agorazo. That's the third word for redemption. Ex agorazo. That's E-X-A-G-O-R-A-Z-O. Ex agorazo. Ex agorazo. It's, it's so exciting. It's so exciting. When I was reading these things, I was like, man... Man, he has obtained eternal redemption for us. What a blessing. Eternal redemption. Eternal redemption. Nothing can take us back into the slave market of sin. Nothing, absolutely nothing. Remember, it's an overpayment. He overpaid. He overpaid. 
X Agorazo. E X, not S, X for xylophone. E X A G O R A Z O. X Agorazo. And it's found in Galatians chapter 3, verse 13. This is so, this is, I think this is not very nice. This one is very, very nice. Galatians 3, 13. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Being made a curse for us, for it is written, curse is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. The word redeemed is ex agorazo. And the word ex, ex, you remember it's ag- agorazo is the first one. So the only difference here is the ex that is attached to it. So the word ex is out of. So it means to take out of the marketplace of sin. That's what ex agorazo means, to take out of the marketplace of sin. Jesus didn't leave us there in the marketplace of sin. He took us out completely from the slave market of sin. Never to be subjected to the brutalities and wickedness of the devil. Never to be subjected to the brutalities and wickedness of the devil. Jesus took us away from the curse of the law. Are you seeing it? He took us away. So you are nowhere near the slave market of sin. After he took us away, you see, if we should put fit all the pictures together properly. After he bought us and paid the price and took us away, he actually regenerated us. So the, the, the next major, next two major things I'm supposed to talk about is regeneration. The next thing I'll talk about is reconciliation. The next one is regeneration. He regened us. What he bought, okay, remember, was a slave. Isn't it? A slave is good for nothing. So when he bought the slave and took the slave, I would pay the price for the slave and took the slave out of the marketplace of sin. He asked, what he did was that he had to regene the slave from the slave skin, the slave genetics, that is him, everything, regene him to become a son, a child. Yeah, that's what actually happened. He took us out and that, you see, so if you read in, in uh, Revelation chapter 1 verse 5, look at Revelation 1 verse 5, it's so nice. Revelation 1 5. And from Jesus Christ, who is a faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth, talking about Jesus. Then he says, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. He washed us. It's called the washing of regeneration. It's written in Titus. It says he washed us from us from our sins in his own blood. In his own blood. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He regened us. I'll talk about that very soon. Okay. But now we are talking about how, how that he took us out of the marketplace of sin. He didn't leave us there. He took us out. He took us away from the curse of the Lord. Remember, it says that curse is everyone that hangs on the tree. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the Lord. If you read in Deuteronomy chapter 28, you understand the curse of the law. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Go, to, go to that place. There were 54 curses of the law. The blessings were 14. The curses were 54. The curses were at least 40, 40 times more. <laughs> it's not a joke. And let, let's read some from verse 14. Genesis 20. Okay, 15 is okay. Genesis 28, 15. But it shall come to pass, if thou wilt not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe to do all his commandments and his statutes, which I command thee this day, that all these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. The curses will come on you and overtake you. Meaning that before you get there, it's already there. It's waiting for you. And it, would, it means what it means is that no matter what you do, you can't swerve it. Yeah. And this was what this is a slave market of sin. 
curses fire overtaking you. Yeah. Jesus took us from that place and brought us into his blessings. What a chalk. Look at the next verse 16. Care shall thou be in the city. And care shall thou be in the field. When you go into the city, you are cursed. When you come into the field, you are, you are cursed. Care shall be thy basket and thy store. Your basket is cursed. Your store is cursed. You do an investment, it never arrives. Care shall be the fruit of thy body. Your children are cursed. And the fruit of thy land. Everything that comes out of your land is cursed. The increase of thy kind and the flocks of thy sheep. I mean, out of the 54 cases, 35 addresses poverty. Jesus. <laughs> 35 addresses poverty directly. Wow. That's what the Bible says that for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. I'm rich. I'm rich. See, I'll never be poor in my life. I'll never be poor in my life. Yeah, look at the next verse. Curse is power. Curse is power. It's not a joke. It's a lot. It's from verse 15 to 68. Care shalt thou be when thou comest in, and care shalt thou be when thou goest out. The Lord shall send upon you, upon you, cursing, vexation, and rebuke in all that thou settest thine hand unto do, unto for, for to do, until thou be destroyed. And until thou perish quickly, because of the wickedness of thy doings, whereby thou hast forsaken me. Hey! The Lord shall make the pestilence cleave unto you. Pestilence will cleave unto you. Until he has consumed you from all the land, whether thou goest to possess it. The Lord shall smite you. I'm, trying to, I'm just trying to let you know what Jesus bought us and took us away from. So this is not in our lives any longer. Yeah. But this is what happens to everyone who, who is a sinner. Everyone who has sinned in him. This is, this is his life. That's what the Bible says. Do not be jealous of someone out there who is not following the Lord. Who seems to be rich. Don't be jealous of him at all. Don't. Don't. The Lord shall smite thee with a consumption and with a fever. And with an inflammation. You see, it's, it's, it's poverty and then sickness. That's the, these are the main things. Poverty and sickness. And distraction. With an inflammation, eh? inflammation, boils, uh, 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 rashes of different types, and with an extreme burning, mm? and with a sword. Every disease you can talk about has this particular type of description fever, inflammation, extreme burning. Then it says, and with the sword, and with blasting. And with mildew, and they shall pursue thee until thou perish. Sickness will pursue you until you, and the aim of all of everything is until you perish. What a shock. But God has taken us. He says that He has redeemed us from the curse of the law. From the curse of the law. Oh, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. What a blessing. What a blessing. So that's exagorazo for you. Then the last one, the fourth word for redemption in the New Testament is apolutrosis. Apolutrosis. That's A-P-O-L-U-T-R-O-S-I-S. 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 Apolutrosis. And it means full restoration of the bot slave. 
full restoration of the bought slave unto his inheritance. Full restoration of the bought slave unto his inheritance. Okay, so you can say full restoration of the bought slave into bracket now a son. Hmm? Because it's been regen, right? Full restoration of the bought slave now a son unto his inheritance. Comma. Dignity. Comma. Glory. Comma. Honor. Comma. Power. And beauties. Hallelujah. Full restoration of the boss slave, now a son, unto his inheritance, his dignity, his what? Glory, honor, power, and beauties. I mean, all the beautiful things you can think about. To give a full restoration of, you know, you see, sometimes, if you've, if you've watched one of these uh, gothic movies or these dark ages movies, you realize that when a war, there's a war, and uh, the country that's one, okay? The country that will win will always take their king and his children as slaves. You know that, right? Yeah. And they'll raise the king's children as slaves. That's the intent. The way to make sure that country is destroyed forever is to make sure the children are raised as slaves. If you're able to do that, it means that that country will never come back to its feet. But if the children are not raised as slaves, the children can escape. And they can rebuild and come back and come and defeat you. So one of the major things to make sure you do is to make sure the children are, are raised as slaves. I've seen movies where some people were sued. The, the person was a prince in his house. They were defeated and he was sold into slavery. <laughs> but he never forgot who he was. And out of slavery, he became something big. And then came to come and destroy and take back his inheritance. Okay, so that, that's the aim. That's the aim. If they don't kill you, that's what they'll do to you. That's the aim of the devil. That was the aim of the devil. He took what belonged to God and made it slaves. But God came, bought it back, and regenerated. Because you need, you need to regenerate it. So that all the slave mentality, that is why you need to read the Bible. The more you read the Bible, the more the slave mentality goes away. The more your mentality concerning, oh, I'm poor, I'm not this, I'm, I'm sick, I'm this, I'm that, I'm defeated. The Bible says that you are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. That's what the Bible says. So the more you read the Bible, the more the slave mentality falls off. And the more you pick up the glorious mentality that God has designed for you. Please, do you understand? Yes. You know, and it's, it begins from now to the time when we have our full redemption. Okay? There's something called the full redemption or the futuristic redemption. Hallelujah. And like I said, it begins, our glorification begins from the day we are born. The new birth, all the way to the day we are crowned. When I talk about adoption, I'll talk about that too. So if you read Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. Ephesians 1, 13. The Bible says, In whom you also trusted after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. In whom also after that you believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Verse 14. Which is the earnest of our inheritance unto the redemption of the purchased possession, unto the praise of his glory. So the word redemption here, okay, it says unto the redemption of the purchased possession. The word redemption there is apolutrosis. Unto the full restoration of the slave or the one who was bought. Unto the unto the praise of his of his glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So He's talking about the day of the Lord where this body 
is changed. Okay, go to Ephesians 4.30. Ephesians 4.30. Oh, explain it even some more for us. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Have you seen it? Yeah. Oh, there's a certain day. He's talking about certain days, which are taken in, in, in manner. Unto the day of redemption. In the word redemption, there is also apolutrosis. Okay? Yeah. And if you read in Romans chapter 8, verse 22, Romans 8, 22, you see some more there. He's talking about the day when we will get, I mean, all the glories, all the inheritance of God in us is shown. And our inheritance in, in God is shown. I hope you understand. Uh-huh. The day when all the beautiful things that are in our lives, hidden in our lives, are hidden. There are a lot of things in us that are hidden. If you read Ephesians chapter 1, verse, uh, from verse 13, he mentions, he says that he prays that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the sort of wisdom and revelation and knowledge of him. Then he says, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of your calling and what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. So God has an inheritance in the saints, in you. There's a certain glorious inheritance that God has in you. And on that day, as much as he has an inheritance in you, you also have an inheritance in him. I hope you understand. Uh -huh. So he's talking about that day when that, there's that full manifestation of, the, of our inheritance as sons is given. And the beauties that we have as sons is given. And the glorious, wonderful expressions of God in us as sons is also revealed. Yeah, and Christ has paid for it already. Can you imagine? Christ has paid for it already. Christ has paid for it already. Waiting, so we are waiting for the manifestation of that day. Please, you understand? Uh -huh. So our redemption is not only from the, the slave market of sin, from the powers of the devil. It goes all the way through a generation to our setting and our glorification on that day. He's paid for everything. Can you imagine? He's paid for everything. Meaning that even your future glory is not dependent on you. Hey, it's a very serious thing. No matter what you do. Let me, let me share a, a, a verse of the scripture with you. That will help you. First Corinthians 4.3 But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged of you or of man's judgment. Yea, I judge not my own self. Verse 4. For I know nothing by myself, yet am I not hereby justified. But he that judged me is the Lord. Therefore judge nothing before the time. Unto the Lord come. Who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the hearts. And then shall every man have praise of God. Every man will have praise of God. Every one of us will have praise of God. The difference is that there will be more praise for some people than there will be for some people. But everybody will have praise of God. I hope you understand. Yeah. Everybody will have praise of God. Because there's a purchase for your redemption with respect to your glory. That foundation is there. On that day, you'll be glorified. On that day, you'll be, God will give you some beauties. You, he'll, he'll honor you. He'll give you, you'll have your inheritance with God. Please, you understand? In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So Christ purchased all of the above. So Romans chapter 8 verse, verse 22. Let, let's read that one. Romans chapter 8 verse 22. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travelleth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the, of the Spirit. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption. Which is, to which means which is, the redemption of our body. The word redemption is apolutrous. The redemption. The change of our, of our body. 
Okay, Philippians 3 20 says that for this vile body shall be changed, isn't it? Yeah, it says for us, if you read from verse 20, it says for our citizenship is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body according to the working whereby he is able to even subdue all things to himself. So this is more futuristic. But it begins from now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah, You can start accessing the glories of God for your life from here. Yeah. Through the word of God. Bible says, as we behold in a glass, that is in the word, the glory of the Lord. This is we are changed. We are transfigured into the same image from glory to glory. So it starts through the word. The more you study the word, the more you read the word, the more you have access to the glories of God. The more remember, he says that that the eyes of your understanding will be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and know what is the riches of the glory of the, you can know from here. From here, and that's that's actually the expectation of God. From here, hallelujah. hallelujah. Full restoration of the bot slave, now a son unto dignity, honor, glory, power beauties his full inheritance when christ purchased all of the four for us on the cross even our glorification has been paid for by christ jesus already hallelujah Hallelujah. so when we say redemption this is what we are talking about this is what we are talking about the full purchase of the ransom price the the full thing he's bought paid everything he's given his blood and he's restored you you are on your way to that day of glorification. That is your way. It's one way only. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. God bless you for listening. Keep listening to the word as Christ is made the center of your world. For prayer and counseling, call 024-563-8314 or send an email to info at Christworldinc.com. God bless you.